Well, we're continuing in this series called More Money um, because everybody wants more money. Nothing wrong with that. But today we're going to ask the question, can I handle more money? Let me tell you a little story uh, about some friends of mine. Joe and, and Shelly had, uh, had just gotten married. They had both landed decent jobs. They were setting up shop together. And with their combined incomes, they had never seen so much money per month. And uh, they, it was like this newfound freedom. So they went out and they bought a couple cars uh, that they had always wanted. Um, they bought a house. And, and the nice thing about it is that they didn't have to pay for it all at once. They could pay for it slowly over time, which was nice because it gave them extra money to travel together, to eat out a lot. They were young and they were free. So now they had a, a house, but all they had was this old furniture. So they decided they were going to get a new living room set, leather, of course, and they got a new bedroom set, and then they got an entertainment center, one of those big ones with room for a big screen TV, like, like Joe had always wanted. And the great thing is, as they were outfitting their house, Joe got a special offer from Samsung. Samsung, it turns out, had recognized Joe as special. That's right. They had chosen him for a special offer, good only the month of the Super Bowl, because Joe had actually earned special credit status. So not, not like plywood credit or silver or gold. This is titanium. Titanium says you, you have to have a periodic table just to figure out how special you are these days. You notice that? And, and, and so they would actually deliver a big screen TV with surround sound in time for the Super Bowl because Joe was so special. And Joe and Shelly would not have to pay a penny for 18 months. No payments, no interest for 18 months of, of TV bliss. So Joe signed him up. After all, he'd probably win a big bet on the Super Bowl. And, or at least, you know, he or Shelly would get raises within 18 months by the time the payment came due. Well, this continued, and, and it actually became a lifestyle, and they would fly places and charge it on credit cards, and if they saw something they wanted and it was on sale, they'd buy it on a credit card, and three years later, they had a one-year-old baby girl, and they sat across the table from each other realizing they couldn't even pay their minimum monthly payments on all their debt. They had $30,000 in debt, and the debt dragon was breathing fire down their necks, and they didn't know what to do. Now, um, I, I met Joe about six years after they hit bottom financially, and Joe became a good friend, and he was sharing the story with me, actually in the context of a victory. So Joe and Shelly had actually started going to our church, and, um, and they had been a part of a message series like this that we do, you know, maybe every two or three years, and they had gone to one of the workshops uh, that, that was being provided like we're providing in our, in our Thrive series right now. And they had gotten some principles of money management, put them in place, same principles that have helped millions get out of, out of debt and, and onto a financial plan. Uh, and he was so excited because not only were they debt-free, they were generously giving and they had saved more than they ever had in debt. Oh, I tell you that because I know probably many of you watching or here today might be feeling hopeless. 
uh, because you, you, you walk in here maybe up to your nostrils in debt. Maybe it's not credit card debt. Maybe it's student debt or, or uh, medical debt. But you don't have enough money to dig out and it feels hopeless. And during this COVID season, you've probably felt indescribable anxiety. And I just want you to know there's hope. You know, no, no one's here to judge you or shame you. I mean, debt is a societal challenge we're all having right now. But there is hope. And maybe, maybe you aren't here this morning or watching and, you know, maybe you don't have tons of debt, but are you experiencing true financial freedom? That's what we're going to talk about today. In other words, freedom enough to enjoy what you have, uh, to, to give, to save. Do you really have financial freedom? And we've been talking about the reason we need to talk about this is because God actually has a lot to say about how we manage money. Actually, 2,000 times in Scripture. He talks about it more than prayer. Why? Well, because as we started to look at last week, it's as much a spiritual issue as it is a financial one. In other words, the way we handle money and, and view money has a lot to do with what we believe about ourselves, whether our, where our worth and our value comes from, what we think about God, and, and where really we get things like security and love and value and peace. And I believe that if you really consider these biblical principles and start to act on them, you will find freedom in this area. But the truth is most are not free. Not free to save, not free to give generously, not free from worry when downtimes come and they inevitably do, you know, just like we've experienced this year. And unless we realize that it's a spiritual issue first, we won't get to the roots of the real problem. So is there really a problem? Well, I, I started to show you last week, but let me show you some of the symptoms of the problem going on in American society. All right, so we, we started to look at this last week. Let me just reiterate. Okay, if you make 25000 a year, all right, it's probably most of us, you're wealthier than 90% of 7 billion people on the planet. Right? If you make $47,000 or more a year, you're the top 1% of the world's elite wealthiest. All right? What we didn't talk about last week is the average American will spend $1.8 million on goods and services in his or her lifetime. Okay, so think about what that means. That we will have millions of dollars sift through our hands during our lifetimes. Many of us, many millions but do we have a plan for it? Do we have a plan for how to direct that? Because despite that fact, um, the Federal Reserve reports that 40% of Americans have not saved enough to cover a $400 emergency. That's a problem. Forbes reported uh, that 69% of Americans had less than $1,000 in savings before the pandemic. Now, savings rates have gone up. I think people started to panic. But not enough, because they also t tell us that the average American with credit cards has $14,800 of credit card debt, and half of us can't pay it off every month, okay? So you add in then car loans and, and personal loans and student debt, the average person between the ages of 30 and 60 years old has 23000 of non-mortgage debt. In other words, debt other than for a house. So think about this, at, at current rates, we'll see millions of dollars pass through our hands 
over our lifetime as Americans, and yet most Americans will give almost nothing, 25,000 out of 1.8 million or more, save almost nothing, and spend until we're indebted. Something's wrong. And it's tempting to say, well, um, you know, we don't really have a, a choice. It's just how we have to live. But actually, um, USA Today reported that the average American spends $18,000 a year on non-essentials. In other words, things we could make choices about. So th- this is the problem. And it's not an economic problem. It's not about amount, is it? We have more than everybody. It's a spiritual issue. And I'm pointing that out because Scripture points that out, not to condemn us, not to make us feel bad. This is what's in the cultural water we grow up drinking. And and that's what we have to realize is, you know, God's been talking about this and warning us about this thousands of years that it really starts with the heart. It's really a heart matter first. The financial freedom requires us to honestly look at the forces around us shaping us and not just do what everyone else says is normal. You don't want to be normal. Normal is not good. Normal is not free. And many of you have felt that pressure and that anxiety during this COVID season. And that's why we're talking about this. Because God's wisdom is to set us free. God's wisdom, as we talked about last week, is that we would truly feel as wealthy as we, as we really are. So I want to talk to you today about a plan, the plan that Joe and Shelley got on to get free of 30000 of debt and then be able to save and, and give and be the generous people they wanted to be. So the financial freedom plan starts with this. One, you got to declare your freedom from unsecured debt. And scripture warns us about, about debt. It says this in Proverbs 22, the borrower is the lender's slave. It goes on and says, do not be a person who strikes hands in pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. And, and I mean, we know this, right? You can't live beyond your means in good times and not lose your shirt or your bed in, in the bad times. So when, when we go into debt buying things we can't actually afford, it owns you. It enslaves you. You know, back in ancient times, in pre-plastic times, uh, s- slavery was actually a form of indebtedness. So like most of the slavery you read about in ancient literature or in, in the Bible, much of it was because someone got indebted to another person, maybe a business went bad, a farm went bad, or, or, or maybe a crisis happened, and their only choice was to become an indentured slave. And they had to work for that person they owed until they paid it off, and then they could go free. But people are still committing themselves to slavery every year, if you think about it, forced to go to work to pay your debts. I mean, why do you think they call it MasterCard? You didn't think you were the master, did you? Oh, no, no, no. Just try not paying. You'll see. Right? And, and we don't think about it this way. But it's true. Now, let me, women, I want to give you a little ammo. A little free ammo, okay? Do you know that um, when it comes to debt, the average man has 20% more personal debt than the average woman? That's right. When life gets tough, the tough go shopping for big things. <laughs> so that's just a little free ammo for you. But, but reality is 
We all struggle with this, and we can all get out of it. It really doesn't matter how much or how little. We can declare emancipation. We can put a stake in the ground today and just decide, I'm going to do something about this. And many people around here have, and they've gotten free. Now, I know some of you are already ahead of me. You're going, wait a second. All debt is not bad. That's true. Um, and people debate where the lines might be, but I think this verse gives us a good balanced understanding. Romans 13, 8 says, let no de debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. In other words, if you do borrow, pay it off right away, okay? So don't go shame everybody who's using a credit card. They may pay it off every month, okay? That's fine. I mean, like some of our counselors say, that build your credit score. But... Most financial counselors will also differentiate between debt for appreciating assets like, like a house or something like that versus debt that's just consumer debt, you know, for stuff that you, you can't sell to pay off the debt. So the real question is, if I'm going in debt, is it to something of value that's likely to increase like a house or uh, a well-thought-out business loan where you could sell it for more to pay off all your debt? If so, you know, then that's, that might be reasonable debt, but unsecured debt, like, like credit card debt or just living, living off loans, you know, that, that we really can't afford, it's not wise. But again, it's not hopeless. You just got to declare, I'm going to do something about it. And the second thing you got to do is you got to make a freedom plan. Because let's face it, habits are hard to break. We get in habits for a reason. And one of the reasons is you and I get bombarded by messages all the time to spend more. And if you think it's not affecting you, why do you think that marketing agencies spend billions of dollars every year if it doesn't work? It does work. And, and we're being told, if you want to be content, if you want to be satisfied, if you want to be happy, you know, if you want to get the women or the men, you got to have more, buy this, do that. And these offers appeal, you know, to actually our spiritual condition. You want to be valued? You want to be worth something? But we have to understand it's really manipulation. Now, right now, um, we're offering workshops on financial freedom. You can go to gatewaychurch.com slash thrive. And there are volunteers who are professionals in financial services who are volunteering their time to put on, I think there are three or four workshops out there right now. If you're in debt, this, these, these principles and these workshops have helped millions of people get out of debt. But it's not just for getting out of debt. It's also for making a plan of how to be wise, how to save, how to invest. Uh, one of them's for planning for retirement. And all of it's private. No one will see your finances, but it'll help you take the time to make a plan. To think about, can I handle more? How am I handling the millions that are going to go through my hands already? All right, so let me tell you about my friends Joe and Shelly and, and the, the way they got out of 30,000 of debt. They, they used what's called, what I call the 10-10-80 plan. And someone told me about it years ago. Um, Kathy and I have followed it for, for decades now. And basically, it's, it's simple. Um, it says, take your paycheck at the first of the month and divide it up in three ways. And, and most Christian financial counselors would tell you there are two entities that you need to honor first. And last week, we talked about how money is a gift from God. 
He gives us the ability to earn it. He wants us to be able to enjoy it and be able to be content with what we have and provide. But also, it's a tool. It's a tool that we can use to choose to love God and to love other people as well. And so we looked at where the scripture says, honor God first. So that's the first 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, it says in Proverbs 3, with the first fruits of your crops, with this promise, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, you probably expect to hear that in church, right? But let me tell you why it's actually good for you for financial freedom, for, for, for the things you and I want with, with more. Because God is real. And like I said last week, if God's not real, yeah, this is all manipulation, all right? And I know people will think that. But if God is real and God actually gets involved in, and these promises are true, then you start to see things on the spiritual level that don't just happen on, on the financial level. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but you know what's written on a, every $1 bill? In God we trust. Isn't that kind of strange? That on every $1 bill we have in God we trust. Why? I think it's because some wise spiritual people realized that we tend to trust money for things that only God can give. Like security and love and value and worth and, and self-worth, happiness. Money can't give you any of that. But it easily gets confused that it can. It becomes like a false god. And that's why last week we looked at how God says he tests our hearts. He tests first, do we love and trust God more or do we love and trust money more? And, and, and we looked at that, you know, God says it's not because God needs money from us, but because we need what, what trusting first in God brings, these spiritual qualities. And when we trust in money first, it actually creates more like a spiritual disease, a spiritual sickness that I think we're seeing trends of. So God says this, test me, put me first and see if I don't come through. Again and again, he says this. So it says in Malachi 3, we read last week, bring the full tithe or 10% into the storehouse that there'll be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. There won't be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in the field won't drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord. And then the nations will call you blessed. See, God, God wants to bless us. The question is, can we handle it? Are, are, are we faithful with it? And so he says, test me first. Give the first 10%. See if you're not glad you did. And I challenged you guys, try it. Try it for three months. And, and see if God doesn't make a way where you felt like there was no way. And then, I, and then I said this last week. I said, you know, people come and tell me stories every time I talk on this about how God came through. And I know, you know, if I put stories up, people just think, oh, you, you made those up or you had them, you know, they're, they're your friends or whatever. And so I said, just take your phone out, video. If, if you've tested God on this, what happened? And here's some of the ones that you guys sent in this week. Watch. Hello, Gateway. My name is Jamie, and I've been tithing uh, for several years now. And I've noticed that every time I stay faithful with it, I just get like random blessings, be it in project work or just a random bonus here and there. So I definitely say it works. Um, just have an open heart 
an open mind to it and an open pocketbook. It's a winning formula. I think the big thing for me is that whenever I bring the time to God, I remember who the owner actually is, and that 90% goes so much further, and I'm actually content, which has been huge. We decided to base our tithe on a projected income that we hoped to make that year. We didn't make that projected income, and in fact, we're fast approaching bankruptcy. 2011, we decided to continue to tithe on the same projected income, and some amazing things started happening. Early in 2011, we started making money again. Very soon, we had to increase our tithe amount each month, and that continued for the next seven years. I remember wondering why our income was increasing so rapidly, because we were not doing anything special to cause it. That's when I realized it was God who had opened up the floodgates. We stepped out in faith and God did as he promised. I went from not really knowing what was gonna happen next in life, uh, not having any money, to um, things just getting better. And it was because I, I started helping other people and I started giving away what I was so given. I was given freely this program. And then at the same time, I, I gave to them what I could. And the more I gave, the more I got. And it wasn't because of that. It was just because I finally let go. And I finally trusted in something other than me. Um, I, I, I let him, I let God into my life. And all of a sudden, all the problems that I thought were problems were really problems. For me, he was there. He taught me. And he gave me a life that I could have never imagined. You know, it's wild. Two of those guys uh, came to our church as agnostics. They didn't believe in God at all. And yet what they found is not only is God real, but God's promises can be trusted. You can trust him. Try him. See. The other thing, though, to consider is the opposite side of that. That when we don't trust God, what do we trust? Who do we trust? And, and, and that there is kind of a spiritual sickness that can start to develop where no amount is enough. And God actually warns us about that. In, in Haggai chapter one, when the people of Israel were giving nothing and they were on their second remodeling project, and, and he says this, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Here's what God's saying. He's saying, I've created the universe with laws. And just like they're physical laws, like the law of gravity, they're spiritual laws too. And so he says, test me, put me first, and see if I don't provide all these spiritual qualities you're looking for in trusting other things, like contentment, like more than enough, like the ability to give and save and truly enjoy. And so the 10, 10, 80, the first 10, is basically saying, God, I'm going to honor you first. Thank you uh, for all that you've provided, and I want to partner with you to do good in the world, to bring your kingdom will and ways to the world. The second 10 is to honor yourself. So pay yourself 10%. In other words, honor the hard work you've done by putting 10% aside in a long-range savings account. 
And do this, do this. Uh, of course, if you have debt, put that aside into paying down your debt. But I still say honor God first because I've seen him accelerate the, the paying off of debt so much faster. But you want to put, uh, put money aside. And, and most financial counselors like FPU workshop and some of the other workshops, they would say you need three months salary in an emergency fund. So like if you make 5,000 a month, you need 15,000 in a, in a savings account that's an emergency fund only, for emergencies only, okay? And by the way, your favorite band coming to ACL is not an emergency, okay? It's like if, if there are true crises, you know, you, you don't have a problem. Now, here's the exciting part of it. When you get out of debt, and what compounding interest does to you, and you get on the saving side, compounding interest becomes your friend. And you'd be amazed at what can happen. So let's, let's just take a little example. If you have $4,000 of credit card debt, all right, and you only pay the minimum payment, how long will it take to pay it off? All right, let's make it interactive. Okay, so let's say 4,000 of credit card debt, Average interest about 18%. Your minimum monthly payments, 2% of the unpaid balance. How long to pay it off? Two years, six years, 15 years, 25 years, none of the above. Why don't you whisper to the person you're sitting next to which one you think it is? All right, how many of you said E, none of the above? You're very smart. Tell the person next to you, I'm very smart. It would take you 50 years to pay off that debt. And if you lived long enough to pay off that debt, you would pay 15000 on that $4,000 purchase because you're on the wrong side of compounding interest. Now, say on the other hand, you, you, you get on some kind of financial plan like the 1010A or some, something else, some kind of budget, to, and, and you, you start to pay off that debt. If you just paid off, say, $5 a day, all right, you could be debt-free in two years. And then if you, after paying off the 4,000 a debt, let's say you kept on saving $5 a day, two years from then you would have 4,000 in savings. All right, but look at what happens when you're on the right side of the compound interest equation. So let's say you keep on saving $5 a day and, and you invest it. Okay, so you, let's say you invest it in the S&P index fund in an IRA. And over the last 40 years, it's made on average with dividends uh, about 10%. And let's say you didn't touch it for the next 35 years, okay, until retirement. So how much then would you have? All right, interactive again, $50,000, $90,000, $160,000, $254,000, or $582,000? What do you think? E. And if you said E, you're catching on. <laughs> it's always the last one, isn't it? You'd have over a half a million dollars just from saving $5 a day because you're on the right side of compounding interest. So you can see some, something simple like getting on a plan, like the 10-10-80 plan or some variety, some version of that where you honor God first, you pay yourself, and you'll be amazed. But... It all depends on this last choice, doesn't it? To make courageous choices to live on 80%. That's really the key, is that we have to learn in the 10-10-80 plan or anything else, we have to learn that we can live on less. And that's a spiritual issue. Everyone, 
Every one of us can live on less. The rest of the world lives on far less. But we have to realize that. Because we get lied to all the time. I can't because. Well, look around. Well, yeah, but look what's going on. You know, Osceola McCarty was an inconspicuous, unknown woman in Mississippi. She had dropped out of school when she was eight years old because her her family needed her to work. And she went to work doing laundry most all of her life for the people in the neighborhood. She was a quiet 88-year-old woman, completely unknown, when in 1995, she walked into the local bank and she asked the teller, to donate everything she had in savings to the local university. They made out a check for $150,000 to the University of Southern Mississippi. And when word got out, Osceola ended up on the front page of the New York Times. She ended up in Guidepost Magazine, People Magazine. She was invited to the White House, met with the president. Harvard gave her an honorary doctorate. Why? Because... This unknown woman who, was, who washed laundry her whole life had done something most people don't in America. She tamed money. And she showed us how much we can do on, on so much less. We can all live on 80%, but it requires courageous choices. You know, the, the FPU mantra, one of the workshops being offered right now, uh, is this. If you will live like no one else now, you'll be free like no one else later. If you'll live like no one else now, you'll be free like no one else later. But it's spiritual. Because first, you have to quit the comparison game. You have to quit getting your sense of worth or value from comparing to others or what others think about you and just get your worth and value from who God says you are and what he says about you. That's what we're trying to do here as a church. We're trying to be people who are filled up and overflowing because of who God created us to be and what he says about us rather than this comparison game that gets us in traps. The other tough choice you may have to make is if you can't pay off credit cards every month, cut the cards. So here's your pastor telling you you need plastic surgery. (laughs) Okay, your face is fine, your body's fine, but, but you need to do surgery on on the plastic credit cards. Now, some of you may be saying, but I need a card in case of an emergency. Well, put put away some cash. Keep it with you for emergencies. Because here's the truth. uh, Citibank calculated that the average consumer spends 26% more each month if they use credit cards rather than cash. (laughs) So much for free miles, huh? And so sometimes we, we have to make some some tough choices. Now, maybe some of you have lots of credit cards. You're going to need a radical plastectomy. But you can have fun with this, right? Invite your friends over and get all those credit cards and get the grill out. Wrap them up in tin foil. Put them on the grill. Light it up. Put on some reggaeton music and dance around it celebrating your freedom. Or, or you know, maybe, maybe what you should do is get a Get a dartboard and glue all your credit cards on. And if you have the urge to splurge, play darts instead. Okay, I'm having fun with it. But the truth is, you have to make some hard choices. And and if you have a hard time with credit cards, make some hard choices so you can get free of debt. You know, courageous choices are needed because 
our, our, our society is trying to get us on the 00110 plan. <laughs> Give nothing, save nothing, and spend more than you have. And, and it's tough. We have to push against it because we don't want to be those kinds of people. We want to be free, worry-free, generous, wise, content, financially free people. But it requires courageous choices. It may require a reset for a season of realizing, man, we got way over our heads in our house mortgage. We're, we're house poor. You might have to downsize or, or you might have to get rid of a car for a season, reset, and then start to rebuild. But here's the thing. Be proud of those courageous costs because you're buying your freedom for the future. So imagine this. Imagine if, if we all got on a plan like the 101080 plan or some, some version of it so that the millions don't just sift through our hands like sand. We actually direct it in wise ways. So just imagine you're 30 years old right now, okay? And you only make $35,000 a year for the next 35 years until retirement, until you're 65, okay? Imagine what could happen. Now, if you make twice that, you have to more than double these numbers, all right? Because there's compounding interest on the good side. But let's say you get no raises, 35,000 a year, you get on the 10, 10, 80 plan. First, here's what would have happened. You would have put $122,000 to work doing God's work in the world. And if you're concerned about the, the state of our world, like I am, and you believe that, that God changes human hearts and the human heart is really the, the main issue of what's going on in the world, you will have partnered with God to do a lot of good in the world. Not many people could say that. On 35000 a year, you would have put 122000 into that. At the same time, if you saved 10% into an IRA making 8%, you would have over a million dollars in savings. Making 35000 a year. Who could say that? You could do more good in the world. You could bless your family in so many ways. And that's the power of the 10-10-80 plan or something like it. So I really hope that you'll take advantage of, of these workshops that are being offered. Again, you know, I don't make them up. I'm not putting them on. The, the, these people who work in financial services for a career in our church are volunteering their time you know, to, to teach these principles, it's completely private, but it'll help you take the time to make a plan. Not just for getting out of debt, but being wise in every way with your money. Because the truth is, God does want to bless us with more, but we need to be people who can handle more as well. You know, we're going we're gonna to close with a song called The Blessing. And it's actually a blessing that God told Moses to speak over his people. God actually wants to bless you. And so as we, as we sing this song, I want you to just take it in. Just let it be sung over you. Realizing God's not a taker. God's a giver. And he wants to give you more than you've imagined. But he wants it to be a blessing. A true blessing. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Um, that you give us wisdom in every area of life. Because you care about every area of life. And Lord, um, just remind us that you are the one who gives. You loved us so much. You gave your son and he gave everything. And God, just, just remind us when, when fear comes knocking at our door and um, that you care about us, that you actually want to get involved in our lives. 
But what you want most is our hearts, trusting you, loving you. And so God, help us be people who can trust you more. And I do pray that you would turn your face to shine upon us, that you would bless us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen.